I and Chris, we all you know, kind of developed our own thoughts through our own study. I always kind of felt Richardson was going to be the guy we, that we went with early on. I can't wait to help this franchise. No, I can't wait to impact the city. You know, I'm just truly excited to be here. I'm, I'm definitely thankful. All right, welcome back. We are catching up on a busy, busy, busy draft weekend. Zach Kiefer here with James Boyd, Upper Quartile Podcast. You guys know the drill. The 2023 NFL Draft is in the books. We needed a couple hours to recover yesterday, Sunday, from what was a very, very long weekend at the Colts facility. But they brought in 12 players, the biggest draft class this franchise has ever had in the modern era. It started in the way that a lot of you wanted with Anthony Richardson going fourth overall. We dug into that Thursday night. We can talk about it more today as we sort of heard from him on Friday afternoon and then heard more from Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen. And then what I thought was most interesting, several of the top personnel execs, Ed Dodds, Morocco Brown, Jamie Moore, three of the scouts, like that's the real stuff. And I thought we heard from Jim Mercer as well. And it sort of offered a window into their process on this guy. And I thought that was fascinating, but James, everybody has a draft grade on the day after the draft, and I think it's nonsense, to be honest. I think you need two years, three, to really know if it's a good draft or not. We know the 2018 draft was really good, but the 2019 draft was really bad, and around here at least. But it feels like the Colts did a lot to their roster on Saturday, and we don't know if these guys are going to stick, but they really attacked some positions. Just what's your broad general takeaway if I remove Anthony Richardson from the conversation? We'll get into him. Obviously, he's the headliner. But I think that he highlights, and I put this in my post-draft takeaways, he highlights a really athletic class. We were uh, joking in the media room that every time it got to later rounds, and you're trying to guess who the Colts are going to pick, just go to you know the RAS website, which stands for Relative Athletic Score, which it more or less looks at your combine numbers and decides how athletic you are based off your build, body type, position, things like that. And if it was above a nine, the Colts were probably looking at him. And it was pretty funny to see, you know, the picks come in and it's like, yep, he's a 9.4 out of 10. He's a 9.23. Well, obviously Richardson's a 10 flat, which is crazy. Julius Brents is 9.9. Josh Downs is 8.9. Now that's not to say he's not an athlete. He's a heck of an athlete. He just got knocked down because he's shorter. Freeland is 9.8. Tommy, which I'm just going to call him Tommy from now, is 9.7. Rush is 9.7. Scott's 9.8. Will Mallory's 9.4. You guys get the picture. Yeah. So I thought that was one of my biggest takeaways was like, okay, they're making sure that they get dynamic athletes. I felt like that was a need and also a focus because all of these guys can really, you know, flat out move. You know, some of them are swings, you know, Jake Witt, you know, I believe the last pick of the draft for them obviously is is a swing. He hasn't had a lot of time just playing football and excelling at it. But, you know, why not? The guy is, you know, uber athletic. So that's that's obviously a plus. And I also think that, you know, the one group that really jumped off the page for me was cornerback because we went into this thinking, okay, do they just get a couple cornerbacks, get one and then get a veteran? With so many that they drafted, I'm I'm starting to think, like, do you just go all young? Like, do you go out and get another veteran? I mean, I would probably prefer it, but I'm also thinking, like, but yeah, but I'm thinking, how many spots do you have? Like, you don't want to draft a guy like Jalen Jones, who I believe was a sixth or seventh round pick. He's a former five-star recruit, got all the athletic ability in the world. 
didn't really pan out for him in you know at Texas A&M and, and kind of struggled a bit and things like that. But you, I, I would imagine you probably want that guy not to be buried on the depth chart and not have any chance to actually see the field. So I'm very interested to see what they do there. And then also we can get into this offensive line. Like that's my I, I know we're giving out grades, but like the reason why they're not getting an A plus from me or an, or or even an A really, um, I would I would give them a high B plus maybe. But I'm just like man. Offensive line, I get it. You, you know, you went out and got Blake Freeland, the swing tackle, which you needed. That was a good pickup. But I'm like, man, where do you go at right guard? Because I just feel like, you know, Will Fries, is he a legitimate NFL starter? Did he do enough to prove that he should have that spot unquestioned? Now, I expect Chris Vouch to do some things, um, you know, as far as undrafted free agents, you know, maybe a veteran free agent. But I mean, veterans cost. And so that, that was their that was their chance to go out and get someone who could probably plug that line right away and be there for years to come. They didn't do it. So um very interested to see how that goes for sure. That's the interesting part, I think, because you look at this class and you got a QB at the top, you got three cornerbacks, you got a safety, two offensive tackles. So on the outside of the offensive line, you get a defensive tackle or wide out, a tight end, a running back, and a defensive end. I really thought a guard would have been in there and it wouldn't surprise me if it was a second or third round pick, but it's not in, in the way Tony Sperano jr. The new offensive line coach talked about Will Fry's last week. It sounds like he's confident. He could be the guy. He could be the starter. Now to your point, James, that's the same thing they kind of did last year. They kind of just said, <laughs> exactly. we hope you can be the guy. And it blew up in their face. And Matt Pryor played three different positions and I didn't need to go back to that, but that's why I don't think they're going to just roll with this. Like you said, it's not that Will Fries doesn't deserve a chance. It's that he needs to have some competition there. You don't just hand him the starting job like you handed Matt Pryor the left tackle position last year. That was terrible. And Will Fries got better as the season went on, and so did Bernard Ryman. But just handing these guys starting spots is just it's just malpractice. So that's why I expect, and Ballard has said in recent weeks, he wants to add to the offensive line, and he didn't necessarily mean the draft. He meant he wanted to add in veteran free agency. So Free agency is not over with. This team is going to add through June, July, and then into cuts in September. So that's still possible. But that's maybe the biggest question mark. But let's go here, James, before we dig into Anthony Richardson and what we learned from Ursay and the scouts. Favorite pick that isn't the quarterback, because there's a lot to choose from. Josh Downs. Damn, you took you took mine. I had to think about it. <laughs> you know? Well, if he if he's yours, I'll let you have him. I'll go Juju Brents. I like the pick um, where it was that they were able to trade back, get some more draft capital before selecting him. He was always expected to go in that second, third yeah, round they picked range. up two draft picks because of him. If you hit on one of those guys, that's a huge win. Exactly. And I think that he has starter level potential and a potential to probably slot in there. Maybe from day one, I know I'll put my death chart out this morning. You can all can check that out on the athletic and, Giving your feedback, what I think is right, what I think is wrong, but I do. Yeah, think who, that who do you have a corner? I mean, it's it's Rogers and flat, uh, outside corner, and and Brent's could with a good camp, he could start. Yeah, so and and that's where I think that um he's gonna really show or prove just how far along he is. Now I understand that he's a rookie, but I mean, you draft a second rounder in the NFL at that position, and then you need that position that badly. You probably want to see him on the field sooner rather than later. Will it be growing pains? Absolutely. But he has a lot of confidence. I remember talking to him, Zach, at the senior bowl. And then I was like, man, this guy is super confident. Like, at first I was like, wait a second. Like, does he know? Like, he's talking to us and we have a recorder on. But he has so much belief in himself that he can be great. And 
I think, you know, having to transfer from Iowa after, you know, playing as a true freshman in Iowa, getting hurt, coming back, losing his spot, and transferring to Kansas State and, and you know, betting on himself, he really uh, proved that he can thrive really in, 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 in any type of coverage, but particularly with, you know, press man. You know, Chris Ballard said they want to play more man coverage, um, and he has the length, the athleticism to do it, and he's like, kind of a pterodactyl type of prospect, you know, he's got super long arms. Um, he moves very good and at his size, which isn't, you know, um, something typical of a guy who's six, two, six, three. I think that's what drew them to him was that difference. Usually it's one or the other. Yeah. We talk, you're going to talk about Josh Downs and, you know, he's a little bit outside or really a lot of outside of the Chris Ballard mold. But, you know, when it comes to Juju Brents, that's a guy I'm sure <laughs> Chris Ballard saw was like, yeah, we need him. And it also was pretty cool that, you know, at the local pro day, which I attended, you know, Juju Brents was out. We got a wrist injury he's working through. Should be ready to go, I believe, by the time football is being played. That's how he put it. But, um, you know, he stood on the field inside the practice facility and talked to Shane Steichen for at least five or six minutes, just those two, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And I'm like, hmm, something brewing there? Like, and he told us after that that he was like, yeah, it was great to talk to him. You know, he, he's an offensive-minded coach, but he sees things so differently and, you know, he was giving a shout out. He's, yeah, he, you know, a lot of football way, way back in the day, you know, UNLV. And I was like, wait, don't call your future coach old. You know, at the time, I'm thinking it might, might be your future coach. You know, he's 37, not that way back in the day. And so, um, you know, excited to see what he brings to the team, mainly because, again, his positional, the positional need and also his potential because he's a he's a long, rangy, fearless dude. And I did a fun story on him a few weeks back, talking to his high school coach here in Indy, you know, being an Indy native, Jason West. And. He said they called him uh, Bambi because he was so skinny and like lanky when he came in as a freshman. But he said he turned to a buck and I kind of liken it to like he turned to Bam Bam because they were saying like he would just like literally throw his body into guys and just never really care about, you know, how small he was. And then he, you know, body kept filling out and he's 23 years old now and a chance to, you know, put on for a city. They need to hit on cornerback. I mean, this is such a Chris Ballard pick because of the long arms and the height, but they need to hit on cornerback. If, if you hit on Rockison, maybe you're not. And Rockison wasn't a bad player, but that's, you know, you're not drafting a corner in the second round, maybe if you hit on him and vice versa. I mean, you go back to 2017, Quincy Wilson was a second round pick who, who fizzled out here. So they need to hit at that position. And I like this pick. And and how can you not love a kid who grew up wearing a Bob Sanders jersey? Like for those indie fans that were there for that era, there was only one Bob Sanders. So that that's just a great story for the Warren Central grad. I'm sticking with downs. And, and here's why. I've been saying for years they need to get a different type of receiver in this offense. And they have a type, and it's Paris Campbell, and it's Desmond Patman, and it's Michael Pittman, and it's Alex Pierce. Six feet or taller, jump ball guys. I feel like I need some variation. And it's interesting because as soon as they made this pick, this was a Shane Steichen pick for the record. I went back to a conversation with Shane about a month ago, and we asked him what he likes in his receiver room, and he said variation. I like guys who can do really different things with their routes, really different routes. If this guy's best route is this one, then he does that. If this guy does this, and Downs is different. He's different than Pittman. He's different than Pierce, and I think that's a really good thing, and I think he's going to be a little bit of a security blanket slash weapon in the middle of the field for Anthony Richardson. And he sounds like he's a dog. Like He sounds like he's just a shifty route runner. Like There's something to be said. Like Wouldn't you agree, James, if like Reggie Wayne is standing on the – like this is a draft term, but standing on the table for you. If Reggie Wayne is putting his name on the line to draft you – you better be a pretty freaking good receiver. And I think this kid's really good. And it's not nothing that he caught 200 balls at North Carolina. Like That's a lot of passes. 
And Mac Brown, who's been coaching forever, said he's one of the hardest workers he's ever been around. So that by far is my favorite non-Anthony Richardson pick because he's a wrinkle in this offense they've needed for a long time. And I, I think it's it's very obvious that Shane Steichen's like, I need this weapon in the middle. You can have your big guys on the outside. But Downs is going to be fun. He's going to be fun. And those are the kind of guys that catch eight or nine balls when they have a really good game and just are so valuable. Like, look at Hunter Renfro in, in Las Vegas. Like, that kind of production has been missing from this offense. And and that pick has Shane Steichen written all over it. Just picture Josh Downs, like, lined up with a linebacker or even, like, a bigger corner or, or a safety. Like, he's so shifty and, you know. Kind of like the receiver version of Naheem almost. Yeah, exactly. And so he had he's he's got a chance to really, you know, make an impact, I believe, potentially from day one. I know they brought Isaiah McKenzie in, you know, another slot guy, but Josh is, you know, at the college level at least a more proven pass catcher and someone who put up prolific numbers. Like that's the thing. Like you look at his size and you're like, oh, he's not that big, but you know, and I get it, he wasn't playing in the SEC or whatever, but played in a you know power five conference and I mean teams had to know he was the guy and he's still went out there and was the guy. He had 11, you know, 100-yard receiving games, you know, over 2,000 yards in his career. And he really didn't play much, like, the first year he got on the field. But it was something crazy. Like, he had, like, seven catches and three of them were touchdowns, you know, the first time Yeah, and that played. was sophomore year. Then his, his junior and senior year, he caught, like, 194 balls. And only, like, seven the year before, but you said, like, three touchdowns. Exactly. So he's a guy who we kind of joked about it. We saw his video after the draft, and he was drenched in, like, I don't know if it was champagne or water, but like, you know, he's like, I'm the best receiver in the draft. You just got the best receiver in the draft. And um, again, when we're talking to the area scouts, you know, one of the terms that came up was hiccup. You know, hey, this guy's like a hiccup. You know, he's, he's quick. You know, you can't get rid of him. And all you got to do is go on the bench and, and, and sit down. And I'd check my notes to see who said that. But that was like, I was Chad like, Henry. like, yeah, th- yeah, it was Chad Henry. He said, all you and, can uh, do is drink some water and sit on the bench and hope he goes away. Yeah, man. And, and, that's why and you talk I, to the scouts, because that's just that's too good. Yeah, and then last thing I'll say on that to just, I guess, top it off is when I watched, you know, tape on him. And he was someone I had, you know, in my earlier, like, big boards and mocks. And then I eventually took him off because I was like, man, is, is Ballard really going to go, like, yeah. no, this that's, small? Because he's 5'8". Yeah. Like, if he was 5'10", I'd be like, okay. like But I'm like, man, he's 5'8". And that's why, you know, you said it, it and we know it's a Shane Steichen type of pick. And, um, you know, that guy is he's like a water bug, you know, someone who can just decelerate, accelerate, you know, skirt through things. And he's kind of fearless. Like he plays bigger than his side and his catch uh, radius is bigger than his size, too, because he's really, really skilled. And I think that he's going to continue to develop. And when you look at a guy like Reggie Wayne, who was a technician, you know, uh, as far as being a great receiver, I think that attracts him. Like, yes, you can be talented, but to get Reggie Wayne's attention, you have to be good at the nuances of the position you can't just be a guy oh you know he's athletic he runs fast like no it's it's more to it than that and is josh downs the fastest guy no but like can he get open yes that's all that matters in football is like as a receiver is can you get open can you get separation and he does that at a very high level in college and we'll see I'm, not, I'm sure there's gonna be a learning curve in the nfl but i do think that this guy is another one who could be contending for like that starting slot receiver spot you know with alec and, and, and um Pittman on the outside I absolutely agree with that, and and I think he could, and I think that's a good thing. And, and he's representate he's a representative of what this league is doing now with with the different types of body types and the different. Now ways they tried to trade up for the kid. Yeah, you know, they were worried for thirty minutes. He said, "Ballard <laughs> doesn't usually admit that." Um, but two things I want to say that that's a good point about Reggie Wayne. They 
he had, Reggie was on the field at the combine and he went over to Josh and said, you are the best receiver in your group by a mile and it's not close. And then secondly, that's a really good point about being a great athlete and being a great receiver. That's not always the same thing. And one guy that comes to mind is T.Y. Hilton. And T.Y. Hilton was a great athlete and he won over the top early in his career. Everybody remembers those go balls from Andrew Luck. But later in his career, his game shifted and he became a magician in the middle of the field, a technician in a lot of ways. Because like you said, some guys just know how to get open. And that's a real skill. It's not a talent. That's a skill. And it seems like Downs has that. At his size, for him to get open that much and to have great hands to finish the play, you know, that's that's enticing. And, and that's exciting to see what they do with him. But you mentioned him standing next to the other receivers or whatever. Like him standing next to Anthony Richardson, that's going to be a sight. Because let's transition into into the most popular pick, the noteworthy pick, the really the pick that gets the monkey off Chris Ballard's back. He he finally drafted a quarterback. We dug into this Thursday night, but I thought James, it was really fascinating to hear from different sources on Friday and Saturday about how this process played out. Because it's all we did was guess over the last couple of months what they're going to do. And I go back to the comment Ballard said in February at the combine when I asked him, "How do you feel it for?" And he kind of gave me this smirk and said, I feel like we're going to get the best player in the draft. I feel great. They might have. We'll see. Nothing against Stroud or Young, but Richardson, is he's just something different. What did you learn that jumped out the most from our conversations with Ed Dodds, assistant GM, Morocco, and some of the scouts, and then Ursay about how they landed on this decision? Because they were really, really, really dead set on Anthony Richardson. Well, everyone knows probably by this point that Morocco Brown was really, really high on Richardson's just talent, athleticism. I believe it's back, you know, to before he really played last season. I think it was like October or something like that. It was August August practice. And he texted Ballard and said, you should see what I'm seeing right now. Exactly. But the person I enjoy probably talking to the most about this was Ed Dodds, because I felt like I was hearing someone say what I was thinking is, how could you consider this? And we can get into my beautiful interaction with Anthony Richardson a little bit later, but I mean, it's a respect thing, you know, understand you're super talented, but at this other time, it's like you haven't really put it together. And so I feel like Ed Dodds was the person who, you know, really reflected a lot of hard truths that needed to be said. He was like, I didn't want to buy into it. He was really honest. He was like, look, I was a no. Early on, there's no resume. This is why Dodds is great. He's just a scout. He's he's not media trained. He just says what he thinks. He said, look, there's no resume. And I thought the most interesting thing, James, that we heard all weekend maybe was him saying, at one point, I just asked Anthony, if you have a clean pocket and you have all the time in the world and the guy's wide open, why are you missing these guys? This goes back to the biggest question, the completion percentage, 53.8, lowest since a first round quarterback since Jake Locker in, in 2011. And Richardson was like, man, I got all these people in my ear. I got all these coaches telling me to do something. And so Dodds was like, okay, okay. Like if we just simplify it, if we just get one voice in his ear and that'll be Shane Steichen, then they believe. And and Dodds was a hard sell. And he said, the more you're around this guy, the more you want to be around this guy. He's just a good dude. When he screws up, it's not because he was trying to do it wrong. It's just because he didn't know. And so they feel like there's a lot of upside and there's a, and maybe the most important thing in all of this is not his talent, it's that he wants to be coached, and that's going to be huge over the next couple of years because, like you said, it's going to be up and it's going to be down. I even thought that he showed a level of maturity and growth just in the months from the scouting combine to when he spoke to us after he was drafted. And part of that, I believe, is, and we talked about this, Zach, 
the scouting combine isn't really the best environment to get a feel for it's a player even like yeah even terrible us in media because you might think you have a good question you're there for different purposes but you got people walking around literally doing like tiktoks hey what's your favorite food when you were 11 and then you got somebody asking you a lot about of people are just trying percentage. to get viral videos they're just trying to bait them into saying something stupid it's just exactly not. and so i did remind him that i was the one who asked you know about being labeled as a project quarterback again i never called him that now whether he heard it like that or not doesn't matter and so i reminded him of that the room laughed but i asked him you know the reason i asked is i have a lot of respect for who he is and what he's capable of i mean i'm saying it but you know, how do you find that balance between I have to get better in certain areas, but then I also have to realize, forget what anybody else says. And, and like you said, the voices in his head, the people who are telling him to do a million different things. I'm different. Like whoever you saw before, they're not me. I think there's some truth to that because he is sort of like an alien as he describes himself. And I thought his answer was very, very mature. Um, you know, start off with Tom Brady. And I was like, OK, like, here we go. Like, you know, get the Tom Brady quote, right? And I talked about this with Nate Atkins, Andy Starr, and I thought it was fascinating. He drew the one thing from Tom Brady that he has in common with him, and it's the work ethic. Because at the, at the combine, he was saying, I want to be Patrick Mahomes, I want to be Tom Brady, I want to be a legend. It's like, what do you have in common with, yeah, I mean, what do you have in common with Tom Brady, though? Like, athletically, I mean, you guys are nothing alike, you know, build-wise, how you build an offense around you all. But the one thing that I really latched on to I think people, people can respect is like, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I saw this guy win seven rings and he still worked. He still tried to get better. And he's like, if he's trying to get better, then I know I can get better. And I think that mindset will carry him a long way when adversity inevitably comes because it, you know, it smacks every quarterback in the face. I mean, we can look back now and say, Peyton Manning is a great, great quarterback, a legend, Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore quarterback. But he threw the most picks as a rookie, his rookie season. And I'm sure there are people saying Peyton like... Peyton will remind you of that, too. Yeah. He for someone sure, to break that record every year. Yeah, and I'm sure people were probably questioning, like, is this the guy? But he had to go through those things to grow. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of growing pains for Anthony Richardson along the way. But I think that his humility, his mindset, and again, just his God-given ability might give him a chance to be something we haven't seen before because you just haven't seen the traits and things like that before. So I enjoyed talking to him. I think we all did. He's a great, <laughs> great one liner. I mean, he, he gets on stage and they ask him about the Cam Jackson thing at the draft. And he's like, you know, yeah, I, I like that, but no more, you know, uh, Cam Jackson, you know, it, it's Anthony Richardson now. It's like, wow, like that's, that's a bar. Okay. Like, okay, man. And so it does excite you. And I, I think, also, just peripherally, and we'll get a chance to talk to some current players Wednesday, we go to, you know, availability. The reaction from teammates seems to be very good. Um, he said he heard from JT. He heard from Pittman. Um, I saw DeForest Buckner tweeted, like, we just got an absolute dog. Kylan Granson posted this hilarious, like, uh, thing on his Instagram where he's got a picture of him and his girlfriend, Zach. And it's like, the caption is like, if my girlfriend was perfect, she would look like, and, that. Then, and then it switches over and it's like, a, a, like a, this photoshopped picture of photo, of Anthony Richardson over his girlfriend. So he's happy. And I think the biggest thing though, was even Isaiah Rogers, he was happy as well. But I thought the one that really kind of stuck out to me was Buck. Because Buck is at a different timeline than it feels like than the rest of the team. He's also not on offense, but to get like that type of reaction out of him, I'm very excited to talk to him and see just what type of energy he's bringing to these guys and, and how you know excited they are to have someone who is 
as, as Buck put it, a dog. That's so vital in all of this. And that's something that words are not going to take care of and highlights are not going to take care of from Florida. Like he needs to be a dude. He needs to show these guys that he's a worker and that you can't fake that. You can't talk about that. You got to be about that. And that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks and months and years, really. But to get the validation from a guy like Buck and Pittman, because their stance on this, whether they say it or not, is the same stance that all of you have out there listening. They want a quarterback. They're so tired of this carousel. And that doesn't mean they have something against Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers. They just want stability at that position. And Mo Ali Cox was maybe as honest about it as anybody at the end of the season. He's like, dude, five years, five quarterbacks, like who can win with that? Like that's the reality. And so there is a bit of relief and excitement that they got a guy. They got a guy and he could be the guy for a long time. And I thought it was fascinating. Morocco Brown and, and Ed Dodds kind of going back and forth Saturday night in the press rooms. Like one of the questions Shane asked them at, at, at one point in the scouting process was, all right, man, like pretend this is your wife. Can you spend 10 years? Like, who do you want to spend 10 years with? And it was Anthony Richardson in, in Ursay, in Ursay fashion, mentioned the fact that if the Colts had the number one pick, they probably would have taken Anthony Richardson. Now, it's easy to say that now. And there were some nervous moments when a team traded up to three before they found out it was Texans. We'll see what happens over the next couple of months. But the fact that these guys are buying into him, like you said, is a really, really good sign. And this is going to be fun to watch this guy, dude. He's going to he's going to make some highlight plays in, in Westfield. It's going to get everyone buzzing, but he's probably going to have some rough days as well. Let's touch on this really quickly because Jim Irsay said a lot. and I thought it was hilarious. You know, you have Chris Ballard come out there. He's like, hey, let's not crown him yet. He's not Superman. You know, he's got a lot of work to do. And then <laughs> the owner comes out. He's a superhero. He's got stuff and traits that you don't see before. He said it three and times. He, kinda, he called him a superhero yeah, three times. Exactly. Now, and then he like sort of hedges his bet, I guess. Like, you know, he's still got to work through it. And it'll be Shane Sykin's call as far as when he plays. And it does sound like Shane is very open to the idea of him playing sooner rather than later. He wasn't like as on the nose with it as Jim Irsay. I don't think anybody is because he's the owner. He could just say whatever he wants. But the one interesting thing outside of when he'll play, which we'll dive into. I mean, we don't have to talk about that too much on this podcast because he'll get the rookie training camp. The buzz will be there. The pressure will be there. And I'm sure whenever Anthony Richardson sees the field, whether it's in week one, week four, week eight, whatever the case may be, it'll be lights, camera, action. It'll be a movie. It'll be a lot of things uh, that happen. I mean, the national media will descend upon Indy, I'm sure, because everyone wants to see this 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 wonder kid. I mean, that's, that's what he is. But... I got to give him credit. Like, I forget, was it KB or somebody asked, hey, you know, what do you do at four if he's gone? If Anthony oh, Richardson, I asked you that. know, yes. And I'm and like, Ursay, and I he didn't answered, think he was going to answer it. He actually and then he answered. Did. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, you know, I'll let you take the, the reins from here, but Will Levis, Zach? Doesn't it feel like a completely different world if they take Will Levis at four? Yeah. So they, they had circled Anthony Richardson. He was the guy. He was the guy. Ursay called him three hours before the draft and said, anybody call you today? Anybody call you? And Richardson said, no. He said, look, if, if we get a chance, you're going to be the guy. We're taking you. You're going to be on a plane to Indy tomorrow. And Richardson wanted that. But they had to sweat out that third pick. And I asked Ursay, what do you do at four if he's gone? And he said, we'll love us or trade down. And it just feels like those two options are just completely in a different realm for this franchise. And it, he was like, at first he said, well, Levis, and then he said trade down. So it made it seem like, I was like, wait, what? Like, it seemed like he was heavily considered. And I thought that was a fascinating answer because Will Levis wasn't a top 10, top 15. He was a second round pick. So it wasn't just the Colts passing on him. It was 
everyone passing on him. And then, you know, him getting shot in the second round. And, uh, maybe it's a cool little arc for us, I guess, because now the, the three, it's this the top fascinating. three rookie quarterbacks are in the this same be fun. division. Same draft class, same division. Yeah, I think Will Levis actually had the chance to see the field as a rookie just because of what they have going on in Tennessee. Not like they have a franchise guy. I know Brian Tannehill's been there, but, you know, he's not someone I think that raises you and takes you to a different level. Does Will Levis give you that? We'll see, but it is going to be very interesting to see how these careers line up. And, and even like with Bryce Young, the Colts play at Carolina this upcoming season. You know, if Anthony Richardson is starting that game, it's going to be one versus four. David versus Goliath as far as, you know, the body types. And then, But then also, I think it's going to be the inverse when it comes to like skill level and poise and decision making and things like that. Because Bryce is like a computer. You know, he just he gets it. He does it. And he, that's why he was the number one pick. And in my opinion, why you know, Mr. Ursay might be a little uh, might talk differently had they had the number one pick because Bryce Young is really, right. really, really good. Right. And so I'm very interested to see how that goes because you got Goliath on one side with the with the, with the mindset and in the in the processing, and then you, you got David over here who's still learning those things and kind of getting used to that type of pressure and things like that. But the last thing I'll hit on is is Chris Ballard was saying like, and even Ed Dodds, when we cut on the tape, and after you get past like, okay, he's only started 13 games, how does he act under pressure? And he's got the stuff you can't teach, and I think that really factored in like one of the biggest knocks on. Will Levis, and I believe I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah who told me this when I asked about him on a Zoom call way back when. He's like, every time Will Levis gets hit, it's a surprise party. Doesn't know what's coming. Doesn't have the pocket awareness. Doesn't that now. quote just stay with you? You mentioned that a bunch of times the last. Yeah, and 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 it might you know, and he might improve on it. You know, I'm sure he thinks he can, and I'm not doubting that kid's work ethic. Like people said for a long time, accuracy couldn't improve, and now we're saying it can. So maybe he does find it, but. Anthony Richardson's got that feel, that bounce. And you talk about his athleticism. People say, oh, when are you going to jump 40 inches like in a vertical in a football field? It helps when you can spring from one part of the pocket to the other with ease and elude guys and keep your eyes downfield. And he just has an innate type of ability. And I think you can hone it better. But as every coach we've talked to, Zach, they always say like some guys just kind of have it and some guys just don't and the great ones have it. That's a good point. And, and, and in my mind, I feel like that was the separation. And then we learned this in bits and pieces over the weekend. I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I will go back to a conversation I had with Peyton years ago. And I understand Peyton's on a different level than all of these guys. But I asked Peyton, where did your pocket presence come from? Was that something that you were just born with? Did you develop that? Can you train that? And of course, you can work on that with quarterback coaches and position coaches, all that. He said, look, man, I don't know how other guys do it, but I just, I've always had that. I just always knew. And that's Peyton, and he's a different level, and he had this sixth sense. But that's the one thing that sold the Ballard the most was he dialed up all the different plays. Richardson was under pressure, and he's great at that. He might not be Bryce Young, but he's got those instincts. If you don't think so, go watch the Utah game from last year. Unbelievable, unteachable moments from Anthony Richardson. And like you just mentioned, Levis struggled with that. Now, Levis had a higher completion percentage. He's closer to being ready to start. He's more mature. He's 23 but they're betting on the instincts of Richardson. And it's my understanding that, you know, who was driving this train behind the scenes, it was Shane Steichen. And I think we should put a ball on this. By talking about Steichen. My understanding is this is Shane's pick. Now they all liked him, but a very pivotal moment in this draft process was Ursay and Steichen sitting in Ursay's office for about an hour and Ursay drilling him. Really? Like, why, why is this guy going to get better as a passer? Why are we going to draft a 20 year old? 
why are we only got getting a guy that that played 13 games in college? Like those are real questions that they had to work through. And there was a belief and there was a conviction in Shane Steichen that he could fix that with mechanics, the accuracy, and that this was a guy. And you've been around Shane Steichen a little bit. We've gotten to know him a little bit over the last couple of months. I thought he was very deliberate on Saturday night when I asked him about the next three months for Anthony Richardson. He said, look, I'm going to show him how it's supposed to look and how it's not supposed to look. And his voice almost picked up a couple levels. There was some like dad voice in there. I was like, it was some like coaching (laughs) and to put it lightly, he's not going to F around like Shane Steichen is not going to mess around with this. And, and, and this is the future. The future is Steichen and Richardson and how that pair molds this offense for the next 10 years. And if it hits, it could be so much freaking fun. It could be so fun. It could be Philadelphia, what they have right now. If it doesn't, then they're going to have to go and find another one in a couple years and, and be at the cellar. But the reality is they took a shot on a guy and they bet on the instincts. And I think that's the stuff that's harder to teach than the other stuff. And they're betting on Steichen. And Steichen wanted this kid and they went out and got him. And it's going to be fun because and we kind of can finish on this, but I've been around this team for nine years and it doesn't really feel like the hope has been there since August of 2019. And that team would have been really good. It would have been really good. And I think it could have contended for a Super Bowl that year. We don't need to go back on what happened. But when you get a young passer with undeniable upside, with potential, with excitement, Ursay's drinking the Kool-Aid like he always does. But it feels like this team has some buzz. Now, I don't think next year is going to be great. I think they're going to go, what, 5-12 and 12 or whatever. But when you got a guy like Richardson and you have potentially a really good draft class, potentially with 12 different picks, the Colts finally can feel some excitement. I really do feel like there's some optimism about the long-term future as opposed to just a bunch of questions. Yeah, so let's run through, I guess, the last few picks that we didn't really hit on. And we'll, again, for everyone out there, we will talk to all these guys at Rookie Minicamp later this week. Um, We'll have a chance to obviously develop relationship with them over the summer and, and really get to know where they came from, background. So you can definitely look out for more of that on The Athletic. But um, we talked about Obviously, Anthony Richardson, Juju Brents, you know, Josh Downs, Blake Freeland, swing tackle, big guy, someone who I believe can and probably make a pretty big impact. And then you always need insurance at the offensive line position in the NFL because someone's going to get nicked up and you're going to need somebody to go in there. Um, because of Bernard Ryan. For, yeah, that too. Like he needs competition. That's another guy who I put on my depth chart. He got better last season. They're confident he's going to continue to get better, but. He is not good enough to be an unquestioned starter. So that was a good pickup for the Colts to add some competition to the room. And then even, again, if they compete, you feel comfortable with rolling with Ryman, you got some insurance, you know, just in case a guy gets nicked up for a series, a game, whatever the case may be. Addy Tomiwa, out of There you go. There you go. (laughs) I thought uh, Addy Tomiwa is um, someone who is a freak athlete, the only guy in, in, you know, scouting combine history, who's 280 pounds or more to run sub four or five. We're in a four, four, nine in the 40 yard dash. He's, a little small um, to play three tech, but, but let's Ballard see. said he's going to keep him inside. And I don't want to say this comparison, but undersized defensive end, I'm thinking Robert Mathis. Now no one's Robert Mathis. He was a freak, a freak talent, but um, 280 is a little, a little small, but then again, he can play, you know, he can play the number, the, the, the backup to Buckner and, and see how it goes. Exactly. But he's got great get off, a lot of explosion, you know, throughout his lower body. And I think that, um, you know, he he's he's going to have a chance to really get in there and have an impact. And again, there's not a lot of pressure on him in particular, unlike Anthony Richardson, other positions, because you have great interior defensive linemen already 
with you know Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. He can kind of come in there. I mean, you picked One up the best Bryan. on the team. That interior exactly, line, right? and so you know he'll be brought along. Then you get Darius Rush, who I think was a great pickup, mainly because he had a second and third round grade, I believe, from Dane Brugler, our lead draft analyst at the Athletic. But also, if you look at any other you know uh, draft boards and big boards, he was a guy who many believe was a you know day two type of guy. Yeah, and so, interesting that he fell. Exactly. Well, we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it and, and dive into it. But I thought that he was another pickup that really addresses a team need. And again, he has all the traits to become an NFL starter. It's just about putting it together. Now, it was funny. We couldn't get in contact with him um, the day he was drafted Saturday. Uh, he was the only guy we didn't talk to on Zoom. And everyone was right. kind of making a joke like, where is he? Like, did they lose like the draft pick? Did they turn the card on time? But he's going to be here this week. We'll get a chance to talk to him. I did see the video reaction. He was excited about it. And then they picked up Daniel Scott. Cal running, I mean, no, I'm sorry, the, the safety from Cal, who uh 24, bit older, rangy, versatile, you know, Zach. And that's one thing that Chris Ballard mentioned was like he can do a lot of different things. And Ballard was saying, hey, he's got a chance to possibly play, not just be like a special teamer or something like that. Like he's got a chance to at least add some depth to that position, which right now I would assume the starters are Julian Blackman and um, Rodney Thomas the second. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. And then you get into Will Mallory. That was a bit of a wild card Pick Don't to me. sleep on Will Mallory. What stood out to me, Zach, is Chris Ballard's breakdown. I'm not knocking the pick. I just thought they were. I'm like, hmm, like okay, and like tight end. You got a crowded room, but Chris Ballard said he wants the competition. And again, Shane Steichen. That was a Shane Steichen pick. Shane Steichen turned to him in the draft room and said, "Hey, that guy is good. I get it. Like, I get we need other things or whatever." But at that point, they were like, "We're not passing on a guy that we think is just a good player. We'll figure out the rest from there." He's got a lot of history here with Indiana, so I'm sure fans will enjoy that. And then we get into Evan Hall, the running back from Northwestern. He's a pass catcher. That's that's his like calling card. And there's other things that he could probably do, you know, in the in the game. But I think that, you know, he's more of a depth option to me. I still would put like Deion Jackson, Zach Moss ahead of him, obviously behind Jonathan Taylor. But he's got a chance, you know, with a good camp to at least show them, hey, with different packages, you can put me out there. And again, if I can work in space and beat a linebacker every single time, he caught 94 balls in college. For like I think over 800 yards, so he's they a needed proven a pass, pass catching catcher. running back. Exactly, Deion Jackson still flashes of that last season. But if this guy is crisper and has a chance to really make an impact again throughout rookie, you know, mini camp and training camp, you know, I think he's at an outside shot at playing or at least getting a chance to again go in on certain series or certain downs. I mean, you would love to have a guy who you just know is going to be a mismatch every single time. And then you know, just round out the rest of them. Titus Leo, you know, the, the edge from Wagner, the esteemed Wagner, no knock on their, their program. It's just I had never heard of it until um, the draft. And so it was uh, interesting to hear how he was evaluated, how he was found. And one of the things that the scouts were saying is like he plays extremely hard. He has NFL level qualities. He's only been like an edge rusher for like 20 plus games. It hasn't been that long since he switched positions and everything. But this is a guy who you get to these later rounds, you go off traits and upside. He has a lot of upside. Someone who can, you know, potentially become like an rotational NFL, you know, uh, a D end and edge rusher. And these like are, I these said, are special teams picks, right? Like these oh, guys at yeah. this point, this at this point early in their career, that's how they're going to have to make it. It's how Zaire Franklin made it. It's how EJ Speed made it. It's how these guys are going to have to make it. But you take a shot on the upside. Yeah, and to the Colts' credit, like you just said, a lot of these guys end up painting out in bigger roles. They go from two or three years on the special teams, four years on special teams, to being potentially an impact player on defense. Like, I don't think that when the Colts drafted Zaire Franklin, they pictured him breaking a single-season single tackle record. 
you know, four or five years later. But again, that's someone who they, they believed in. They gave him a shot. He earned his keep. He worked his way up. And you can see the same thing happening for some of these other guys. Like I said, I talked about Jalen Jones, former five-star recruit. Like I said, didn't really get it figured out at Texas A&M. Had flashes of it. Super athletic guy. Another big corner. Someone that, you know, I'm sure Chris Ballard was like, hey, like, He's got the traits. Let's get him. And what did Ed Dodd say? That's why you pay coaches, right? Like, they, you know, let's see what he can do. They got <laughs> exactly. Backs coaches. And then, uh, you know, rounded out with Jake Witt from Northern Michigan, who I'm sure we'll get a chance to dive into his his backstory. I encourage everyone to read the feature that Dane Brugler did on him before the draft, kind of calling his shot, basically saying this kid's gonna get drafted from this no name type of school from with this very unique path. Like he took a year off from sports entirely to be a student and just got convinced to come back one day and ended up being an NFL draft pick. I'm excited to get into, you know, training camp, get to know these guys. I was able to breathe a little bit. Zach made it through my first draft weekend alive. I, Anthony Richardson did not beat me up. I know a lot of fans looking forward to that. It was fun. It was a long day, but I enjoyed it. And then also just real quick, shout out to Mike Chap, man. Cause he just, I mean, we're sitting up there writing our stories. He'll just yell out random like facts. Oh, yeah, it's the first time they picked this much since, you know, 19 whatever. And this is the first time that they chose this many players from this group since whatever year. And I'm like, that's before I was born. That's when I was He two. doesn't even need, he didn't even need the media guy, man. He is the media guy. It is guy. insane. And then, you know, you might say something like, oh, this guy looks like he's first guy since this year to do that. He's like, oh, no, like there was that one time where this guy took three snaps. And you're like. All right, chat. But he doesn't do it in like the the, the condescending no. all way. It's just like you can tell he really uh cares about the job, the details. And I think it's a good reminder for me as a younger reporter to like do the the work. You can't skip steps. Like he knows this stuff because he studies it. He puts the work in. And, and so to be in a draft room with him and others and, and kind of hang out for the weekend, a lot of work, a lot of fun though. And then obviously a lot of excitement because they got some really good talented players coming in. And then as you said, a lot of guys with upside who, if you just hit on three or four of them, I mean, this going to look like a pretty good draft class. You know, if you can hit on some of those back, you know, uh, back nine picks, I, I'd like to call them. And, you could hit on some and, of the top ones. It's really good, too. At, at one point, we were talking, and Chap said, did Peyton take every snap as a rookie? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he did. And I said, why don't you text him? And I said, I guarantee you Peyton remembers if he took every snap as a rookie. But uh, one of my proudest moments is Chap turned to me at one point and said, Zach, you've written about as much as Peyton as I have. And I said, wait, 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 wait. First of all, huge compliment. <laughs> Secondly, that's not even close to true chat. You wrote, you wrote the book on Peyton for, for 14 seasons. So, um, He's too humble, we, we survived uh, a long weekend because, uh, we get along so well in that room, which is a good thing. 12 picks. They went quarterback early. They added a lot of pieces Finally. around, um, the rest of the roster later, including a lot of, uh, a lot of youth in the secondary. That's going to be fun. Email. Ikori, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his name right. I'm, I'm probably butchering it. Emo Ikoyor, but he's from uh, Alabama. They signed him as an undrafted free agent. They signed him like right away. And so they, the had, right him, guard, they, had, him, they yeah. had him zeroed in on. Yeah, started 40 games at right guard. He was projected as a fourth or fifth round pick by Dane Brugler and a lot of other draft analysts. So is he someone you could see slotting into um, or at least competing for that starting role? I'm like, I don't know if he's a... There's a reason why he dropped. So I guess that that's what I want to find out now. And I'll get to the bottom two is like, why did he drop? Like, usually if you're projected as a fourth or fifth round pick, you're not going to drop all the way out of the draft. Yeah, especially so that if was you're a from bit, Alabama. You know, exactly. So and then you're, you're from Alabama, like Alabama guys don't have usually they don't have like behavioral issues. We didn't hear anything about his behavior before the draft. I'm not going to even speculate about that. I'm just saying there has to be a reason why he dropped, like why no one took a swing on a guy who 
you know, played at one of the best programs in the country, started 40 games at one of the best programs in the country. And I think I think the Colts probably thinking, hey, we don't care. We're, we're glad we're just we're here to have him. But is he someone who could have a decent chance to actually make the roster and potentially get into the rotation? So that's one guy I'm very curious to see. That's a good point. But here's what they need to do. They need to have an actual competition this year. This bullcrap competition they had last year where they just handed these two positions to these guys without a real competition was BS. I mean, I watched the camp against the Detroit Lions, and I saw Danny Pinner get worked day after day. And I said to myself, this is going to be a problem. And I wrote about it then. And it's because it wasn't a real competition. They just gave these spots to these guys. And I'm not saying they had better options down the line, but the fact that they just kind of overlooked it and said, we'll be fine for the opener, especially with a 37-year-old quarterback, that was just malpractice. And they need to have a real competition this this year. They need to stop giving spots to guys because they want that guy to grow into that spot. Bernard Ryman, it's okay if you give him a shot at left tackle, but go make him earn the starting job at left tackle. Same thing with Will Fries at right guard. So bring in the kid from Alabama, and if he earns the spot, then, then let him start. Yeah, he's also an indie native like uh, Juju Brent. So I'm going to ask Juju, or at least Emil as well, like, did y'all play each other? Because he went to Cathedral. Um, Emil did, and obviously Juju went to Warren Central. So there are some indie ties oh, there. And... 5A, for sure. They probably met in the playoffs a couple of times. Yeah, so. Exactly. So Don't just preach competition. Be about competition. And I think Steichen's going to be, I got a feeling Steichen's going to change that dynamic a little bit. Tenor in his voice definitely changed when you talked about helping Anthony Richards to get along. I was like, okay, like I get it. He's all ball. And honestly, this is this is the biggest chance Steichen uh, will have of his career. You don't get a player like this very often. This is his first head coaching job. There's no guarantee there's going to be a second. I'm not saying he's going to need a second, but but this is Shane Steichen's chance. This is his chance. And and he told Anthony Richardson in the draft process, you know what I did with Jalen Hurts? We can do a little bit of the same thing. And yeah, he Hurts didn't tell us signed. that, but uh, Anthony Richardson made sure to uh, spell it out for right, us. Right, right, right. Yeah, Shane was not touching that one at all. But um, and I and I can tell you that Shane is excited to have Richardson and JT Absolutely. in the backfield. That's going to change things. That's going to make things easier in the passing game. But look, it's easy to like the draft class two days after the draft's over, right? Everybody, everybody out there likes their draft class right now. But this one has some potential, and 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 Chris Ballard needed to hit this moment. He needed to meet the moment. And as of right now, it feels like he did. Richardson's a huge gamble. But I feel like there's a lot of hope and excitement and optimism inside that building on West 56th Street that really wasn't there the last couple of years and certainly wasn't there during last season because it was a nightmare. But it feels like five years ago, really, last season feels like five years ago. But um, we've got a lot more coming on The Athletic, a lot more coming. James has his depth chart projection out already. I'm going to work through a lot of the stuff we heard from the scouts that we didn't already post. But again, you have a long story recap in the draft, your favorite pick, the most surprising pick. I have sort of a behind the scenes from the scouts, which I think is such an informative story every year, kind of what they saw through the whole process. And Morocco Brown and Ed Dodds with some great insight on the Anthony Richardson selection. Bob Kravitz weighs in as he likes to do on the quarterback. We'll have a lot more. We talked to some more veterans on Wednesday and the rookies are in town Thursday and we'll talk to them Friday for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday minicamp. So here we go. The class of 2023 will be in town in a couple days. And the Colts will see where they go from here. But for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. It's been a long weekend, but we got a lot more to go. But um, thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you guys after the Rookie Minicamp next week.